Welcome back to the Saved and Savage podcast, where we talk about faith, courage, and doing difficult things. My name is Preston, the pastor of Disaster Hawker. I've had roughly a dozen years in training, coaching, and competing in wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, and mixed martial arts. Join me for our weekly podcast and choose to be a part of the Saved and Savage movement. Today, we're talking about some of my favorite friends and how they're radically changing the world. Thanks so much for joining me for the third episode. Um, If you are listening to the third episode, I feel like you're starting to get kind of committed, kind of bought into this whole Saved and Savage movement, the Saved and Savage community. I really appreciate you guys for, you know, taking your time to spend some time with me. Um, We're going to start doing these weekly. Right now, we're putting out as much content as we can to kind of build our uh, library. I'm really excited to... um, to be able to say that we're starting to build our um, our community and we've got some guests, some really awesome guests that we're going to be able to release to you very soon. We're, uh, we've got some some fighters from the UFC, from Bellator, um, but even, even outside of fighting, Saved and Savage doesn't mean you have to be a, in a combat sport. Saved and Savage just means you're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're just doing some difficult things, maybe some inspiring things, motivating things, but you're living outside of the realm of what people would consider to be normal. And so we've got uh, a missionary that we're going to be able to talk to. I don't know how much information I can even give you right now because the his location um, is is kind of dangerous for him to be there. Uh, so I don't I don't want to give you too much information until I get the okay, the clear from him uh, on what I'm allowed to tell you and. Um, so we might be changing up a name. Uh, we might we might be changing up a location, but I'm really excited to be able to get this guy on the phone. We're going to do some Skype interviews um, over the next few weeks and start releasing some even more exciting content. So I think we're at like 95 followers on our, in, our Instagram. So if you're one of those 95 followers, um, just just know that you are a part of the groundbreaking, like the the, the day one the ground zero of uh, something that's going to be really great that we're really trying to build a community. Anyway, to jump right on into this episode, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I had some best friends. I don't know that I ever had one singular best friend, but I always had like some best friends, some close buddies, some guys that I had fun with. um, But also, you know, they, they, they had my trust. So like we could share secrets, we could talk, we could talk about what's going on in life. I don't know that I have best friends anymore, but I have some favorite ones. And those favorite friends are people that I'm like a fan of. People that when I talk to them, I feel smarter. I feel challenged. I walk away wanting to be better. Um, maybe because they're they're doing so something so fantastic, so something so inspirational that I just want to be a part of it. Or I, I feel like I need to do more in my life. You know, I've, I had a best friend um, when I was in middle school. His name was Andy Ramos. He lived right around the corner from my house. And so, like, we would hang out. We were on our bikes all the time. We were playing video games all the time, you know, doing those middle school things. You know, I had one of my best friends for life is Matthew Kreider. Like, we went to preschool together. We still stay in contact. He's a lot better at staying in contact with me than I am with him. I'll throw that out there. Uh, Matt, if or when you listen to this thing, I really appreciate you, brother. You're like, you're, you're the brother I never had. Um, you know, Lindsey Dunn, he's become, he's, he's kind of crossed from like, 
he was in that crossover, you know, like the best friend kind of, but he lived too far away from me. He lived in, he lived a few hours away from me when I was a kid. So like we would only see each other at like these summer camps that we went to. But now, now we, uh, we're so connected because we've got, um, the same kind of community. He's, he's a pastor. Um, and I feel like whenever I talk with him, man, I just feel smarter I don't know if I feel smarter or if he just makes me feel dumber and I want to feel smarter. So, or I feel like I learned something, but he constantly uh, keeps me uh, inspired wanting to, I don't know, better myself or level up. The The people that I want to talk about today, which we will end up doing an interview with because I want to get into the meat of some of uh, what was going on in their lives when they were making the decisions that I'm going to talk about in just a, a minute. But uh, their names are uh, it's Cindy and Kurt Petrich. And man, I I just love them. I love them. I, I love everything about them. I love their hearts. And I'll tell you what, the ones who are, are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that will. And lucky for the world, <laughs> they're there is a Kurt and Cindy in this world because man, they are crazy enough to think that they can change literally the world. So my friends are absolutely, absolutely positively, madly in love with Jesus. And that love that they have for Jesus causes them to love the world. Now, there are parts of the Bible where we're commissioned to care for orphans and take care of people that are, are distraught. And it's like, when Kurt and Cindy read that part of the Bible, they took that as like their their personal mandate that we're supposed to take care of orphans. Not so much as like they didn't read it as the world is supposed to take care of orphans. I, it's almost like their Bible has a different version and it says, Cindy and Kurt, you are supposed to take care of orphans because that is precisely um, what they do. You know, uh you know, sometimes you wonder why bad things happen to good people, but then you see those good people that have just enough grit to to get through it, and you see how much positivity and how much good they bring into the world because of the bad that happened to them. And I'm not suggesting that like God, God like causes bad things to happen, but I, what I am suggesting is that God is so good He can even use bad things to create good. He can use death to create life. And that's exactly what happened, um, you know, starting with Cindy's story. I don't want to tell too much of the story because it's hers to tell. And one day we'll get her in here. Um, we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a video. We'll be able to show, um, put some like faces with these names. Um, but at the very least, we'll get her on audio and get her to tell her side of the story. But Cindy, um, Cindy Petrus, who at the time, her name was Cindy Williams, she met tragedy, man. I don't, I can't imagine having to go through what she went through. But one day, uh, she found that her home had been burnt to the ground along with her son and her husband in it. You know, her story is, like I said, her story is hers to tell. Um, so I'm really just giving you a summarized version at the very best, um, but it, it, suffices, it suffices to say that you know, her husband had died at the home and her son had been airlifted. Um, he, was, he was in critical condition. They airlifted him to get to the hospital, but uh, he passed away on the way. And so then we have this mom that gets to the hospital, finds her baby boy who just earlier in the day 
you know, was fine. He was happy. He was living his life. And then out of nowhere, tragedy strikes. She ends up at the hospital, comes to find out that her baby boy had passed away. And she, she finds herself in a room off to the side of the hospital room. And she begins to pray. And it's not like one of these heartfelt, like, um, I don't know, God, what am I going to do? It was, she told me her words, her words were, I, God, I'm either going to hate you forever or I'm going to hold on to you for life. Lucky for us and lucky for a lot of kids, she made the decision that day. She made the decision, you know what? I'm going to hold on to you for life. I think a lot of us, we go through even like simple things. Like we lose our keys, we like blow out a tire and all of a sudden the world is just crushing down and we can't believe that there is a God and that God could love and that God is love and that God is good. We can't believe all these things because of like some of the most simple things that wouldn't even consider to be even like a, the, the most minor tragedy. And here Cindy was, she lost her son, her son and her husband and she, uh, She's turning to God and saying, you know, I'm going to hold on to you for life because even though bad things happen, that doesn't make you bad. God is still good all the way through all of our tragedy, all the way through all of the evil that we have to face in this world. So she says, God, I'm going to hold on to you for life. Then very few of us have ever spoken like to the enemy of our souls, you know, Satan, throw whatever name you want to. But then she turned the conversation from talking to God, the father, the creator, to the enemy. And she told him, and I love this. I love this. She said, you are going to pay for this with the souls of a thousand children. And I tell you what, I'm going to say it one more time. She told the enemy, you will pay for this with the souls of a thousand children. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've written this down. I've read it a dozen times. I've said it out loud more than that. And every time I'm telling you right now, I wish I could show you, I've got goosebumps every single time. It sends, it sends chills up my spine because that was like, that was, that was like fighting words, man. She may have never laced up a set of gloves before, but I can't deny that Cindy is absolutely a savage for being willing to talk to Satan, the enemy of our souls and say, listen, you're going to pay for this because of what you took from me, I am going to steal from you. I, I've heard it and l listened to it. I've read it. And I remember the first time she told me, like, I felt like I just, I don't know. I felt like, you know, the dry throat, like I could barely swallow. I, it was, it was absolutely incredible. You know, so a few years later, uh, Cindy um, met Kurt. They were on like a, I think they're on some kind of trip to Ukraine. They were, um, they were just, yeah, that's right. They were working with kids and orphans. And, um, I, I'm not sure if you, if you know, I mean, I was completely ignorant to the Ukrainian orphan like crisis, um, until I met Kurt and Cindy and they really educated me, but there's an absolute crisis in uh, Ukraine when it comes to orphans and the way they, they are cared for, the way they are, uh, I mean, I even use the term loved, but the way they are taken care of is, um, it's just, 
It's just absolutely terrible. They visited some of the worst possible li living conditions you could ever imagine. I've seen some videos. I've seen some some photos. And, um, and it's just absolutely horrific what some kids are faced to endure. And some kids, they end up developing like what we would consider special needs. And it wasn't they weren't born with this, uh, with certain special needs, but because of their environment, they develop these um, emotional, uh, these emotional deficiencies. They they develop intellectual disabilities. They um, they develop it because some some of these kids, you know, if they have a disability, and uh, I don't I don't want to put too much blame on their caretakers because some of it comes from just ignorance and lack of education. But some of these kids that have some special needs, you know, they end up getting tied to bedposts and they're left there. And I remember, um, Cindy telling me, you know, you walk into a, what they call a baby house, which has, it could, it could be housing a hundred kids and you would expect a house with a hundred kids to be kind of crazy. I've got one, two year old, just one. And sometimes at the, if you hit the right part of the day, my house is going to sound a little bit crazy. So imagine a house with a hundred of them. It would be, I would, I would imagine it would be that much louder, but, but the truth is sometimes you walk into these baby houses and it's absolutely completely silent. So Cindy uh, and Kurt, they went on this trip and they were able to, they were able to interact with some of these kids even if it was just for minutes or moments, they were able to love on some of these kids. Some of these kids, it would be the first time they ever felt cared for. And when Lindy, when Cindy left that first trip, she remembered what God had put on her heart and what she cried out at the side of her, her son's hospital bed. She said, God, I want him. She was saying, God, I want him, praying that God would bring him back. And then somehow... That, that verbiage, that term changed from God, I want him. And now she felt that same spirit, that same, that, that same grit, that same, um, that same thing that was just birthed out of her, her pain. The words changed from God, I want him to God, I want them. So Cindy left that, that first trip, remembered it, felt it. It was tattooed on her heart forever. And then fast forward a few years, Kurt and Cindy are now married. Together they operate a, a nonprofit called the Ukrainian Orphan Project, used to be called Victor's Voice. And it serves to love and care for orphans in Ukraine. You know, since their first trip, they've connected with some pretty important people in the Ukrainian government. They're doing some really awesome things. They've literally gotten a stamp of approval to literally change what it means uh, to be an orphan in Ukraine. They're working to shut down orphanages. They're building the first ever foster care system from the ground up. And really, if you ask them, they would tell you that they were completely incapable. They would tell you, we are not, we are not like trained for this. We're not ready for this. But this is the thing. God makes a habit out of using completely incapable people 
to do unimaginable good. God doesn't care how capable we are. God doesn't care about our PhDs or any of our degrees. You know, sometimes those things are incredibly important. If God calls you to be a doctor, man, you got to get, you got to go to school. You got to get some A's. All right. But if, if there's some other things that God is calling you to do and it absolutely terrifies you, you know, we've talked about just pulling the trigger. We've talked about, you know, um, a uh, fire ready aim instead of uh, ready aim fire. Some of us get stuck on that ready and that aim and we never, ever pull the trigger. You know, think about the Bible. God used a shepherd boy to defeat a giant warrior. God, God chose a guy with a speech problem, a speech impediment to set his people free. God regularly uses people that really don't belong in the place they're in. And he uses them to do just incredible things. You know, the David and Goliath, he used Moses. You know, shoot, he used a virgin girl to bring, to bring the savior of the world. This, this is the big point. When God calls us to do something, we sometimes immediately start doing something else in an effort to make us feel more competent. It's like God calls us to do something big and we feel like we can't do it. So we start doing something else so that we will feel like we're actually doing something. But, but really what it comes down to is the only thing that we're doing is disobeying the word of God. So when God calls us to do something, we have to find our faith. We've got to find our courage in the creator, the one who called us to do whatever it is that we are supposed to be doing. See, my friends got connected with the, with the orphans um, in Ukraine. They got connected with the Ukrainian government. They, they got connected and lives are literally going to be changed. Thousands of kids, like Cindy said, the enemy is going to pay with the souls of a thousand kids. And I believe that number is far too, too small. I believe that number is probably closer to a hundred or hundreds of thousands of kids because what her and Kurt are starting um, and have started um, in the in the last couple of years, that that is going to continue to go and grow long after Kurt and Cindy are even gone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Saved and Savage podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Saved and Savage. No dots, no dashes, no underscores, just simply Saved and Savage. Also, do me a favor and rate, review, subscribe, or follow on whatever platform you might be listening to this podcast on, wherever that might be applicable. Lastly, thanks so much for joining our Saved and Savage community. If you're on Instagram, make sure you drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love to connect with you.